0: Hi, welcome to the Tattoos podcast. Today, I'm joined by Nadia, engineering manager at Patchwork Health. How are you doing, Nadia? you okay? I'm not
1: too bad. How are you?
0: Good. Yeah, really good. Thanks. Thanks for coming on. Uh, beautiful day in Manchester, which is rare. I
1: know, yeah. yeah actually a little sun in the background for a change.
0: It's crazy. I don't, I don't get it. Whenever we do the podcast, it's always nice, nice weather. So. Um, so yeah, look, I think I always like to start these things by, could you tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, and how you got to where you are now?
1: Yeah, of course, you can. So I'm Nadia Johnson. I'm a engineering manager at Patchwork Health, like you said. I actually started off as a software engineer, um, and obviously moved into the role of engineering manager a little bit down the time. Um, I actually started as a degree apprentice, um, and that's how I actually got into software engineering itself. Also, tell us, um, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. yeah, so I used to work it? at TALIS. Um, it was actually a pilot year as well, so it was the first time that they actually run these degree apprenticeships. It was run at Manchester um, Metropolitan University. Wow. Um, so th- the idea behind that was you went to university one day a week, um, the rest of the time was in the office, so you was kind of like that, that dual aspect, which was kind of cool, to be fair, um, because you got your academic learning, but then you could apply it in, in, in the role day to day. So that was a really, really good experience. I had a lot of opportunities kind of like working through TALIS, um, managed to do a lot of STEM events um, and things like that. So I've obviously been a software developer at that point for, um, I think it was around four, four and a half years um, of that time, because that's obviously the time, four years, for, for to get graduated as well. Sure. Um, so, yeah, um, did that, um, was a software developer for a few years, um, then moved into the engineering manager role. Um, I've always had quite a big passion for people. Um, that's the main reason why I wanted to do it in the first place, is that line management. Um, I've had a lot of really good um opportunities and experiences and it's kind of nice to give back um to the same people as well so that was like a big 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 part for me um actually getting into engineering management but with being an engineering manager you've got the delivery as well and i'm quite a nerd for um kind of like analytics and data uh, so that was also quite a big part of it so yeah did that um, stayed at Dallas. i was there for around six six and a half years And then moved into a tech for good business, which was really nice. Um, So that's Patchwork Health. So I've been there now for six months, just over. Um, Really enjoying it. Completely different, obviously, big corporate company into more of a SaaS startup style um, company. So yeah, really, really enjoying it. The people are are awesome. Um, But yeah, that's my very, very short journey uh, into that and into engineering management.
0: That's amazing. Yeah, so Patchwork Health, for anyone who doesn't know, health care business do you say tech for good what what do they what do they actually do what's there
1: so the biggest mission at the moment is to kind of reduce the stress on the nhs um Mm. a big big problem that we have with the nhs is obviously them being understaffed um, and actually filling the shifts um a lot of the time they have to go through agencies and they do cost a lot of money to kind of get the people in to go into those roles what it is at the moment what they do and what the first ever product was was around having these bank staff um so it's actually having the hospitals together and being able to kind of send out these shifts to other workers and they can apply for those shifts, kind of reduce the reliance on, on agencies. So that was kind of like the first big product that they did. And then they've got a couple of other lines now with um, roster and kind of like a vendor management system, which obviously interfaces with the agencies um, as well. So yeah, so the, the big mission for them at the moment, and it's a really nice thing to be part of mm. is the fact that we are trying to help the NHS save the money um, as well as being able to kind of like provide more shifts for, for the individuals, um, which obviously it, for everybody else as well not just the nhs staff um we can provide better levels of care um at the end of the day we, we can put more money into kind of training um, and other areas of the nhs as well so yeah, it's a really nice nice mission um and values and the call phone is absolutely amazing they were both doctors originally wow. um and obviously seeing the stresses in the nhs so they obviously found something that was really close to them and you can really see that in all the talks that they do um and pretty much the day-to-day work and how they interface with us all um, who work at Patchwork. It's, it's, re- it's really nice, really.
0: Easy mission to get behind.
1: Right? Yeah, 100%, yeah. 100%. 100%. Help
0: the NHS, especially with everything going on with COVID, I assume they've gone through the... They must have been so successful. Is that is that why? Because they are growing, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, Probably, they're yeah. definitely
1: growing. We've got a few products at the moment as well, and obviously you kind of branched out into, in, into other areas, but... It's the NHS at the end of the day, and that's that's the biggest thing for us is to make sure that their lives are a little bit easier if we can help where we can, as part of. And again, from what I was saying before, like having two co-founders which are doctors, they've literally experienced it firsthand. We have a lot of NHS staff that actually work at Patchwork as well, right. so we, we we get to understand that as software engineers, and obviously somebody that myself hasn't actually worked in the NHS before, we get to hear like some of the horror stories in. If we can kind of make a little bit, a shred of difference to those clinicians, the doctors, um, then you you kind of feel good at the end of the day. Um, And it's something that all the teams um, are really committed to. Um, And that's why a lot of people do join Patchwork is to make a difference. Um, And it's nice seeing the impact on the end user, I think.
0: Wow. And you're, again, engineering manager. So you have your own team. Um, How big is your team?
1: I have a line team um and then i've also got delivery teams as well wow. uh so i my role is kind of split dual at the moment cool. um probably like half the time spent on and obviously you line management duties um and i've got a team um i think i've got a team of eight at the moment um from a line management perspective and then my actual delivery teams um i've got two squads and um, they're a team of kind of a six and a team of seven so that's it's, it's kind of cool to be honest and we we've got an ever-growing team we're scaling quite quickly at the moment as well mm. uh, so we've recently taken on some more engineering managers which is super cool so there's like a good team of four of us now um uh, so it's, it's really nice to be able to kind of bounce ideas off each other some of some of them it's the new role yeah. um they've now done engineer management before so it's kind of cool being able to help upskill those guys as well yeah. um so th- there's definitely a, a kind of path for career development there and it's cool to bounce ideas off um, of, of everyone else really
0: that's mega and but you're fully remote right
1: Yeah, yeah. And I know
0: you're, because you're based in like Bolton Way. Um, Whereabouts are your other team based around the UK?
1: So we have teams all over the place, not just the UK. Oh, wow, Um, great. We have um, individuals based out in Cape Town. We've got people based out in um, Poland, like all over Poland, really. Um, We've also got people out in Spain, We've got quite a vast team spaced everywhere. So yeah, yeah, so remote's quite a big part of the engineering function. We do have um, an office down in Shoreditch um, as well. I do try to get down every other week, but just more to show my face more than anything. Uh, But yeah, I think most of the teams are remote and I think it's super important that we kind of maintain that because it opens up so many opportunities um, to get such a diverse talent into the business because everyone's got different experiences Mm -hmm. and different ideas. And even it comes down to kind of cultural differences as well. Like, honestly, having that variety within the team, we've come up with so many, like, good solutions to sometimes some complex problems um, from the different experiences. Um, so that, that's been kind of cool. But, yeah, we've got people all over the UK as well. We've got quite a few people, obviously, based down in London. We've got people up in Manchester, Liverpool, York. Um, yeah, we've got quite a, a wide spread, to be fair, for a company that, obviously, is still reasonably small in comparison. Yeah. Um, but, yeah kind of cool.
0: Wow, yeah. Always the biggest question is with remote teams, how do you create that really close, tight-knit culture when everyone's completely remote? Have you found any struggles with it and how have you overcome them?
1: I think it's been quite cool. I think obviously there's always a bit of a an issue sometimes when you do have a, like a head office in mm-hmm. places, but I think the biggest part is that our engineering teams are pretty much fully remote anyway, across mm-hmm. all the different places. We have got an office for people to go into, but the decisions aren't made in the office right. fundamentally. We've got senior engineers. We've got staff, principal engineers that are based all over all of the globe, really. So those big decisions need to be done virtually. And I think that's been a big part of making sure that everyone has a voice. Because right. I think in the past with other companies and kind of friends that have supported who are in similar roles to myself, I found that people who do work remotely have struggled when those decisions have been made on site, if that yeah. makes sense. They don't feel part of the team um So that, that's that been quite nice from that perspective. I think, obviously, with the remote world, everybody's kind of switched into that now. Everyone's kind of used to it. I think probably a few years ago, people, there was definitely like kind of certain stigmas around are they actually doing any work at home yeah. um, and stuff like that. And I think, obviously, you can see the benefit of doing that. People are not having to travel in, into the office. So they're actually, <laughs> not that I, I'm, I'm saying to do it, but people are putting more hours in them. They're, they're really, really enthused by the work that they're doing. Um, so I think actually growing a remote team and making sure that they're successful, there's a few aspects that you were talking around engineering culture before as well. Culture is not just socials kind of thing all the time. There's a lot of different aspects to that. I think obviously the social aspect is a huge part. You want to build those relationships in the team um, and it it kind of comes into making sure that they feel safe, kind of raising things, uh, whether it's to you as an engineering manager or to the rest of the team. Um, So... Obviously, social is a big thing. You, you do build those relationships. I know for a remote team that we've got, we've got people based all over all, all over the country, all over the world. We make sure that we always kind of carve out time for us to spend together, whether that's forced fun or playing mm-hmm. games or whether it's just having like a coffee together. So we without fail, we've always had like a 45-minute session on a Friday just for people to just dip in, in and out like you would do in the office. You'd go and have a coffee. You'd go and have a chat. Um, and I think making sure that people know they can book time into your calendars as well. So I'll generally, what I do is if I ever need to do any kind of deep working or like critical working, I'll just book that time out of my calendar, but any other time it's completely free for people to just put 15, 20 minutes in just to catch up. Um, So I think it's that being completely open um, from that perspective. But I think it does actually relate back to kind of psychological security of a team. Um, and being able to challenge so there's multiple aspects again to that culture side of things so yeah social's completely important Um, but it's it's being able to challenge and I think that's super important if they don't necessarily agree with maybe a technical decision or they don't agree with the design or the end user they think there's a better way to solutionize having that um, confidence in speaking up and kind of challenging that I think it's really really key and I think we've worked really hard within the technology function to kind of build the teams like that so I know um, a part of that we defined roles and responsibilities and I think that's been massive in for the engineering team to understand like who owns what so we work quite collaboratively with our product manager they do the discovery phase Um, And then it then gets passed over to the engineering function, engineering manager, we to help facilitate. So when we're sculpting um, and we're trying to kind of like refine what those features look like, we can challenge product manager. We can challenge design and say, have you thought about it this way? Um, And we've kind of instilled that from the start when we grew, we grew the team in the first instance. Um, So it's, it's, It's important. And I think, yeah, at first they're a bit nervous. They've not had to work that way before kind of thing. But the more you kind of continue it, it's kind of that whole storming, forming, norming situation. You've got to kind of continue with it because if you try something and then oh, it's failed. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's failed straight away. It's because you're not given it enough time to kind of develop into something. Right. Because um, culture is a hard thing to change at the end of the day. So if you're in a mindset that you're not necessarily confident enough to kind of challenge things, you've never had to do that before. Yeah. It's going to take a little bit of time. Um, and I guess you, the team has got to be open-minded with that as well. So you're always going to get a little bit of pushback with, with certain individuals. But <laughs> slowly but surely, the team will kind of come around to those ideologies, that kind of philosophy um and then one by one you've got like that's when you start to kind of like grow yourself driven teams that autonomous team um and that self-belief and how you break the work down together and at the end of the day it's around we are a team we don't fail with one individual we fail as a team we succeed as a team and there's no uh, as cliche as it sounds there is no I in team kind of thing and we we own it together and yeah cool we're going to fail sometimes that's that's completely fine but we learn from it and we move on kind of thing there's no point dwelling on the things that, that are bad um so yeah I think there's there's multiple aspects to creating a successful remote team um because there are there are a lot of challenges that come with it but I think being completely open with the team um and to be fair I think actually as an engineering manager because you've got your line manager juices as part of that I really think it's important that every every line manager has mental health for state of training because then you can kind of (laughs) points well certain signs are kind of quite obviously people are lonely and things like that and um you can see when people are stressed so i do think personally as especially on in working remotely nowadays people do get lonely like Mm. your conversation with that person could be the only conversation they have that day because you the the working styles of work at home on their own so it's important to keep those conversations live I think another aspect to it as well is obviously Slack's a massive thing. Like yeah. we, we use that as a massive comms tool, um, especially, well, we do, we do it patchwork and it's super, super important not to have siloed chats that are going to impact the rest of the team. So we, what we we, we kind of push for is that we have like an open Slack channel where all the conversations happen in there. It's not just <laughs> a workflow reminder telling you, oh, it's daily stand-up time, right. <laughs> kind right. of thing. Um, so it, it's any big decisions, any reviews that we need to do they all get put in there so the whole team are aware and anybody can jump on those things um and that's for each of the individual squads so you'll have maybe an overall product channel um and then the squads will have the own ones off that as well so again it goes back to creating that psychological security for the team yeah um that they can pretty much challenge anything there and it's been quite nice to see the team grow as well so i actually started at patchwork um we had a uh, team of contractors with a brand new team, brand new engineering manager <laughs> at, at the same time. So it's been nice to kind of establish your team from scratch, grow it. And to be fair, we've been really, really successful over that time. Obviously, we've had teeth and pains as we've gone along, and there's definitely been certain catalysts that's kind of accelerated our growth into like a more of a high performing team, self driven, autonomous. Um, but yeah, definitely, there's there's, there's a lot, lot of factors.
0: Some interesting points there. And I think one to pick out that was really important is. Having all your engineering managers as mental health first aid trained, because you're right, like you said, that might be the only conversation they have that day. I think it's it's tough as it is to identify if someone's struggling in an office. Never mind if you're just looking at looking at them over a camera. It's really tough to really see if they are struggling, and whatever you can do as an engineering manager to to be aware of that and um, see the signs on a professional like a professional level because you've been trained in it makes a massive difference that's 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 very interesting so all the engineer managers at at patchwork mental health first aid train
1: um i am at the moment um i think the plan is for because obviously we've only recently grown our engineer manager i think that they will probably be going on to the training as well at some point we have got obviously quite a few mental health first aiders within patchwork anyway right um we have kind of um we've been doing a few things recently obviously the recent kind of Um, awareness week was around loneliness so we've been doing a few different sessions in the chat and I think one of them that we finished off on the last week was if anybody got any kind of um, pictures of friends pictures of um, the pets even or a story uh, we can all add onto a thread and kind of share with each other of how that's kind of how that's helped us with loneliness before and things like that and obviously I've got two huskies so you can never be lonely with two huskies (laughs) at the end of the day so things like that I think really help so people yeah. it's one of those mental health it's, the stigma is definitely dying out now I think yeah. there's always there was always a stigma but the fact that we're talking about it more is like really really important mm-hmm. um, and making sure we continue to talk about it whether that's with through events that we do within within the workplace mental health first aiders um, just so people feel comfortable and they can go and speak to somebody it's really important i think as well that you have multiple mental health estates, because at the end of the day some people might just not feel comfortable in speaking to you and that's fine sure. so having the choice of person to go to at least the, the somebody as a soundboard yeah. um at the end of the day uh, but yeah i think i think it is really important because like you're saying before like you, you can tell sometimes, like I've been before, I've been in um, calls where the person not put the camera on. Yeah. Um, and they usually have the camera on. you know, there might be something there. There might might not be, but I'll actually reaching over. out to them. Maybe, might yeah. be hungover. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, like reaching out to them and just checking up. Or yeah. whether you, when you know you've had a, a reasonably stressful time in work, maybe there was a release that had been quite tricky. There's a few bugs that come in. It's reaching out to the individuals, making sure that they were all right as well. Um, I'm quite open in my one-to-ones with people as well around, Kind of personal things and 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 having those conversations actually getting to know the individuals on on more of a personal level not just a work level sure. um, and i think that really helps as well in kind of breaking those barriers don't you feel comfortable in actually coming, coming coming up to yourself and actually talking around these issues um but yeah i think yeah it's su- super important definitely
0: that's important as well isn't it being an authentic leader and being like look i'm, I'm i struggle with things as well and um it's like oh, i'm i'm giving you a bit you you give me a bit it's fine we can talk openly here i love that and it, i guess that kind of ties into the psychological safety thing as well and you were talking about people feeling comfortable com- comfortable enough to um talk to you about not just work issues or like if they disagree with something or um does psychological safety also cover if people are struggling mentally or personally
1: yeah yeah as well. 100% yeah, yeah. There's, there's there's a bit of everything like like i said before like we are a team and mm. again, not not to use cliche words but like at the end of the day I, I'd see my team as part, like part of the family kind of thing yeah. so it's, it's those like brother or sister relationships and things like that that you, you generally kind of hold really close like you might not necessarily agree with them but you care for them at the end of the day Sure. so it's not taking obviously like when i don't know for example if like i said was a disagreement. it's not taking that necessarily personally it's around kind of addressing it and moving on going forward yeah um but being comfortable enough to do that because if you if you hold everything up and there's been maybe a few different issues you might also be dealing with personal stuff at some point some people it's just going to make them break and people are not going to know why they've kind of not snapped but mm-hmm. why they've reacted in this particular way of course um so i at least as a manager, if if people are comfortable in sharing that stuff, at least I can kind of go and talk to other individuals and just say, it's all right, I can deal with that. Yeah, there's there's a lot of aspects to psychological security of your team. I think relationships are a big part of that Um, and building those relationships, which, again, I think we mentioned before around it is difficult with a remote team. Um, But having those sessions together, working together, making sure that they feel comfortable and challenged, I think that's the biggest part because at the end of the day, you don't want to be writing... Fundamentally, like rubbish code as an engineer, or doing a solution just because you, being told you have to do it that way. And I think that's where the collaboration comes in. And I think that's why recently we've been doing a lot of software around roles and responsibilities, um and kind of bringing the product manager in, into those conversations, bringing design into those conversations, so we can work on a solution together. Because um, I think in certain instances historically it was a bit more transactional, so your requirements came down then you, you fundamentally had all your acceptance criteria and your tickets, you just wrote them, bang, that's what you did. And you never really used to get a say on whether sometimes, whether it was actually feasible to be able to kind of do that in the timescale that we, we maybe committed to. So I think that's definitely a, a better way of working, um, having it that collaboration because you can get first hand from the engineers, whether there might be a better way to do uh, a particular task. It is definitely important and... Like I said, from both of those aspects—from challenging through to actually talking around personal issues um, and creating that kind of safety net for people—because um, sometimes you're not you're not comfortable talking with your own family. Are you? you don't want them to know that you're struggling, so sure. you can kind of vent to somebody at work, whether it's a manager, whether it's just somebody else that you work with. I think mm. that's that, that's super key.
0: Yeah, and allowing people to to challenge things, I guess, puts then accountability on them as a team as well, and um, and makes them. A self, a self, like I said, a self-driven team. Again, we were talking about before. How we, how do you think you would identify uh, a team that's self-driven?
1: I think it's a team that kind of own a challenge together. So, mm-hmm. I think a big part of it is, for example, one of the processes that we do is we would take a feature to the team. Mm-hmm. and We kind of present what the impact of that is. What are the very very high level criteria of that? And then it's for the team to work together to own what that solution looks like so it's not a matter of here you go these are requirements do it to the specific kind of um this this specific uh, kind of process but it's around them kind of questioning things being inquisitive um actually taking pride in what they do and feel like they've actually got a say in the overall solution at the end of the day because if you know that you're making an impact and it's based on something that you've worked on the team and you've solutionized as a team the, the benefit of that when you do get the feedback from the customer and it's gone successfully is, is, is amazing, really. And I think that comes back into making sure you have really, really positive feedback loops that when you do release work as a high-performing team, as a self-driven uh, or an autonomous team, is that you have a feedback loop coming in because there's two reasons for that, actually. If you release things and you need to improve, then you get your feedback from from your client that way. The other one is that when it is successful, you can celebrate as a team on that success. Um, so, yeah, so no matter what the feedback is, you work through it together as a team. Uh, so, yeah, it's super important for that, I think. Like other aspects of being autonomous is that if, if you removed me, I went on holiday for a week. They could still continue with the work. Right. Um, they understand what the goals are. They know what they need to achieve. They know what the outcome is um they can work together if there's any bugs whether these per program They can identify that they raise it um, straight away and we jump on it and we can kind of like mob on that um any any issues it's not a matter of dwelling on it kind of thing as an individual the whole team will help you out that's 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 the way we work we want to be kind of as supportive as possible as a team um but i think the biggest part of that is obviously we have to be aligned on what the goals are going to be sure. um and that's a big part of that so that's definitely something that needs to be defined um, in 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 that, in that instance and i think going back to that collaboration and having those roles and responsibilities which i keep going back to over and over again is super key so they know what the expectation is for them they know the expectation of what i should be doing and they know the expectation of what the product manager role is as well so right. defining all those aspects, they know who to come to when they need to ask a question. They know what, whether it's some of the ceremonies, whether it's some of the actual processes, whether it's the actual work, they can own that themselves. Right. Um, so I think working with the team to define those roles and responsibilities has been one of the big turning points for us. So they know like, cool, okay, I'm not just going to wait for this to be done because they're not quite sure whether it's them that they should be, should be doing it or shouldn't be doing it. And it's kind of sticking with that way of working for a little while. Because obviously it goes back to before around things don't just change overnight. You've got to kind of stick with it. And there might be some painful points as you go through that as well. Um, But it's you go through the pain as a team. Then you get over and you realize, actually, this is a pretty cool way of working. Like we get to have our own opinion in what that final solution is. And it's that switch. Yeah. They're like, that's pretty cool. But obviously it does take a bit of time. It's the same with any kind of culture, isn't it? It takes a little bit of time to get to get to that point.
0: Yeah, that was a really important part there where you talk about roles and responsibilities and setting the scene before anything happens because then there's no surprise at the end. There's no people at the end scratching their head going, I didn't even know I was supposed to be doing that. I had no idea. But I guess if you, if you all agree on, okay, these are the roles, these are responsibilities, everyone's on the same page, everyone's in agreement, it's like, cool, here we go. And then if something does mess up, it's like, but you've got a culture of psychological safety, so you kind of like it was me. I'm sorry, this was my fault. It's like okay, cool, routine. team. This is you know what went wrong. How can we avoid it happening next time? And no, no one jumps on him like oh you idiot, whatever. Yeah, yeah, hundred yeah. percent. You because know, because he had a they had a thing. Well, I don't know if it was Toyota or something, or because that's where the this whole thing of Kaizen came from. I think I think this might be completely incorrect, um, but apparently they had this thing where. On the, on the production line, as soon as one person sees something that's wrong, they've got this lever, they pull the lever, and then it go, it just comes to a halt. First thing that the, the manager, the, the line manager of the production line does is go over to the person who's identified the issue and is like, thank you so much for identifying this. Like, you're praising them for identifying it. Let's figure out where it went wrong, let's fix it and let's carry on. But people are praised for, for picking things out because actually that's a, a massive thing for people within the team. It's very easy as a manager to say, I want people to speak up if they see something they don't agree with. But it's how how do you prove that, I don't know, this is this is genuine, you know?
1: Yeah, and I think that, that comes into, again, with the team as well, like identifying when you're doing PR reviews and things mm-hmm. like that. Um, well, you could have done it better this way, but it's around being able to give that feedback in a constructive way. I think that's right. super, super key. Um, and obviously, the other aspect of that is for people to be a bit more open-minded around receiving feedback. And yeah. I think that's the thing that you, that as teams you need to work on because obviously feedback depending on how it's delivered and sometimes how it's received could be like yeah. that can cause some friction within the team so I think having a focus as a line manager like that part of the role is, mm-hmm. is making sure that people can receive feedback and it's not necessarily even if they don't necessarily get it constructively it's mm-hmm. sometimes not not to do with the thing that they've done specifically, it might be the delivery of the other person. And that's what you need to kind of say to me. And then I can say, oh, cool, we can work on that with that other person around how they deliver it. So it's, it's not necessarily taking offence straight away on a piece of feedback, I guess. Um, but at the end of the day, like in order to progress as an individual, um, you need to be self-aware. You need to know where your flaws are. You need to know where you need to progress. So as soon as you're kind of honest with yourself around that and th- then with your, your line manager, um you can start to work on a career plan then um, and yeah. to get to where you need to be to be a better you if that makes sense so yeah. it's it, it's really important to do that like i constantly have feedback all yeah. the time because if i'm doing something that someone doesn't particularly like or doing because everyone's different with how you interact with them at the end of the day so i'd rather know what i'm doing um so i can kind of adapt and kind of grow with that and that's the kind of thing that i try and instill in the teams that i've got as well like don't necessarily kind of be offended by someone suggesting something different mm-hmm. it's around kind of actually listening to them figuring out alright yeah cool that actually might be a good thing but then again it might not be for you like it's just right. taking it on board and just being aware that obviously this is what this individual thinks and maybe if I interact with them a little bit differently I could change that and it could be a positive experience at the end of the day so yeah. again it's that open mindedness and um, yeah I think that, that that's super important and again I think it comes back to, down to being just completely self aware Mm -hmm. Um, and and working on it from that perspective, I think. And I think that's where I try and start from a line manager perspective with my actual individual um, engineers that I've got in my team. Um, Right, where are you now? Where do you need to be? What's that gap? What can we do? Um, I'm an enabler at the end of the day. That's what you are as an an engineering manager. You're there to help somebody progress in the career. That's, to be fair, that was the reason why I got into the role in the first place. Um, But, It's being able to identify it. And at the end of the day, you're on your own career progression. But sometimes you need a little bit of support to get there. So whether that's finding opportunities to get involved in, whether it's kind of you want to start mentoring somebody, so you'd probably look to try and start a mentorship program up. There's all these different nuances that you need to do and be aware of as an engineering manager that you can help support. So what I generally try and do is I have a development action plan um, for for my engineers, uh, which identifies obviously areas that they want to improve on, how we measure it, super important what the action is and then the most important thing for me is around what I can do to support them so I ask them to write down what I can do to help them to get to that point point. Okay. Um, and then obviously have your review sessions and make sure that you're continually checking up on them and stuff like that so um, yeah that, that's that, that's the kind of approach I generally tend to go for
0: as, as a manager that, that's you have a responsibility to make sure you are driving developing these people that are in your team of course and that because that, that was my question was like how do you how do you make sure people are aware that it's okay to speak up? And I guess you mentioned it there is, um, is starting with yourself and being like, look, you know, I'm, I'm a rubbish at anything. Can you tell? Maybe not use those words, but uh, you know, but um, or you know, I'm, I'm being a numpty. Do I need to? You know, is there anything that I need to improve on? And then when they give you that feedback, not which I'm sure people probably some, sometimes do, is going, oh, you can't speak to me. I'm, I'm a bloody manager, and not having that mindset and being like, thank you, I really appreciate that. I'm going to sort that out. And I guess then that means if you're taking that feedback on board, you can then be candid with people about feedback with them because you're you're doing it yourself. So as a team, if you do fail, what what's the, what's the next? What do you do? What's the what's the next actions? So you, you're doing something and it doesn't work out. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, definitely. I think it's to kind of reflect, Mm. I think that's the first instance. And it's not just reflecting on necessarily bad things that have happened to get us to that point. Obviously you want to identify that, but obviously focus on the successes as part of that journey as well. What can we learn from that? And the biggest thing at the end of the day is, is that lessons learned and it's being able to kind of, not just put it in a document, push it to one side and gone and never look at it again. It's around actually making things actionable. Um, What can we actually change to make this process better? um sometimes it depends on on the situation there may be a lot of things that need to change um but i found that doing it iteratively is a lot better so small changes over a period of time so you can see the small wins are better than a big massive overhaul Mm -hmm. um because you end up in like a a cycle don't you so you have kind of like ideas ideology philosophies you try and implement those um and a lot of the time, the team get taken aback because of a different way of working. So they're not as happy. They kind of like, they don't want to raise things. But then that kind of leads to more of a kind of not a poor product, but a product that they didn't enjoy creating in, in, in that process. so... Having small, small iterative changes rather than a big bang approach. I found personally to be a better way of working rather than trying to overhaul everything, because if you change everything all at once, you don't actually know the specific thing that actually was the key to make things better. So you can try different things. Um, and then it's not a shock to the system for the everybody else in the team as well, if you do a massive kind of, um, big bang approach. So small changes being super reflective, actually being honest as a team, um, whether it's an individual, whether it's multiple different things that we have been an issue along that process, we just identify them. Um, obviously, you have your retrospectives and there's lots of different tools out there that you can use to spice up a retrospective a little bit as well. So it's not just like what went well, what didn't, what can we do different? Obviously, that's like your standard process, but there's different different um, kind of online tools out there to be able to kind of run retrospectives as well there's a lot,
0: <laughs> to be honest. When things go right. And it kind of t- this is a two-parter. Things go right, you always have a reward system, and I've seen you with three different hairstyles every single time. Can you can you speak more to that? And, and, and why it's changing so frequently? Which is awesome, obviously. But
1: so successful teams, um, when we do have some sort of win or anything, we do celebrate as a as, as a team, and um, whether that's kind of um, getting together, like. What, what's going to be mechanical? Kind of cool. I'm hoping that we can potentially find at some point is maybe a karaoke session. We'll oh, or nice. A good bit of karaoke, we do. Mm-hmm. Um, Just on that, what, what is your
0: karaoke song? Have you, got, have you got a particular one? Bon Jovi. Bon Jovi, yeah. The No Prayer?
1: Um, anything really, to mm. be honest. it's. I only ever drink, drink it. I only ever <laughs> <laughs> think about drink already at <laughs> celebrations. Um, I only ever really sing it when I'm drunk, to be fair. It's like my dad's classic favourite. So, uh, nice. Always comes on when, uh, when I've had a few, to be fair. There's things that you can do as a team to celebrate and obviously one of the things I have generally doing, going back to the reason why my hair changes all the time, is that I do actually let them choose my hair colour if we manage to get things out on on, on time. So um, yeah, it's been a few different colours. I think you've seen me with, well, it's been green, orange...
0: I think I've seen, I'm red, sure I've seen green.
1: Pink, purple.
0: I've seen, definitely seen pink as well, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's been, been quite a few colours. It's a bit darker at the moment because I just need to make sure that it doesn't fall out because I keep dying all the time because they're such a successful team. They're, they're, oh. they're like pretty awesome teams, to be honest. So they keep absolutely smashed out of the park at the moment. So I'm just like, you might have to like, give me a bit of kind of like please. healthy, healthier, please. you, you, you sabotaging work
0: <laughs> just to make sure that it doesn't... Okay, um, yeah.
1: But yeah, they like at the end of the day, like the team, they're an awesome team. They've all they've yeah. all got kind of their own little quirks in in a good way, kind of thing, and they all bring a lot a lot to the team. So when we do celebrate, um like I said, we've got a few big deadlines coming up. Um, it's gonna be really cool to be able to actually do something with the team, but actually making sure that they get that feedback. It goes back to the feedback loop we as well, knowing that they actually get that feedback back from the client because sure. that's such a big difference, especially because we were talking about at the start that. Our end users are fundamentally the NHS. Right. So knowing that you've made an impact to them and knowing the reason why a lot of people joined Patchwork in the first place, that's absolutely massive. It's it's a massive part of that. So yeah, there's definitely multiple aspects to that. But again, through from social all the way to actually having that feedback loop and actually learning from it. And I think that's a thing that a lot, I find like a lot of companies don't necessarily do is when we do do something successful, we need to reflect on that as well. Like why was it successful? What can we learn? What can we kind of apply to the next feature release that we do? What can we apply to other products that we want to start running? Um, it's not always about kind of focusing on the bad bits. It's actually when we do have something that's been a success, how can we then iterate on that to make sure that the next product's going to be a success? So, and kind of like make sure that individuals know that the abs- like, so before, absolutely smashed out of the park at the end of the day, like the effort that they put in and I think getting that feedback and knowing that you're valued as part of a team is really important. I know when I used to work at other places and things like that, like I'm, I got nominated for a number of different awards. And honestly, the feeling you get when something like that happens is like next to none because you're like, I actually feel appreciated for the stuff that I've done kind of thing. Um, and sometimes you don't even realise how much people have actually valued the thing that you've done as well. Yeah. So I think it is super important to have that feedback with the team. Um, to make sure that they know that they've done a bloody good job at the end of the day
0: yeah and Um, not not just expecting them to uh, just crack
1: on next project yeah like oh
0: they they know that i'm happy with the work yeah just being vocal about it
1: yeah yeah definitely Mm. and and it's trying to encourage the team to do it with each other as well um and that that's the thing that sometimes takes a little bit of time to grow but i think we're definitely getting there um, people are going. Actually, X person did a really good job on this, um, and they'll they'll kind of like message me and say like, "Oh, they they were they were really awesome here" and things like that. And what's also nice as well is when you start to do like 360 feedback forms um, for for the engineers when you're starting to come into kind of like appraisal season and stuff like that and check in season is it, I always start. So I do my own feedback forms. It's not we don't necessarily use a tool, and I always start with. How is this person impacted your team and helped them be successful? So you always start on a positive note, no matter what the feedback is, um, before you then go into all the other kind of nuances as part of that. So we have a, an engineering career ladder, so you uh-huh. can set expectations around multiple different areas. Um, so that obviously the feedback form is based on that. Um, but the first questions around how this individual has impacted the um the team being successful and that's when we send it out and it's always that like, really nice thing to s- kind of s- start an appraisal session on um i think that's super important because it, always, it automatically puts you in a good mindset to then take any other feedback that's coming later on depending on if there's anything that you need to kind of improve on and things like that so starting on a positive note is super super important as well
0: i love that okay brilliant and look i guess bringing it back down a little bit to failures um <laughs> You know, talking about feedback loops and how, you know, you're open to feedback and all those sort of things. I guess <clears throat> the reason you're open to so much feedback is because you've messed up before, right? You've, you've fluffed up. You're not perfect, Nadia, you? you know. Well, get, get, <laughs> like, definitely not. Debatable. Um, <laughs> but no, you've messed up. You know, could you tell us about a time you messed up, you fluffed up, you know, you really um, screwed up um, and, and what you learned from it?
1: Yeah, there's this obviously loads of times starting early on, worked back at high school, all the way through to kind of like, um, kind of actual day to day career and, yeah. and things like that. But I think I think one of the biggest learning curves for me was probably actually to be fair, when I was back doing kind of university with with work, because I did it with a degree of apprenticeship sure. and things like that. Is actually preparing for things. So I was super confident and one of those people that was like. Ah, I can leave it last minute. That's completely fine. And yeah, there were certain instances in in, in that time when I was definitely doing all nices and then going into work the next day, uh, which is completely not a healthy way to do it. But obviously, um, I think one of the biggest learning curves for me was <laughs> a time when I actually—it <laughs> sounds quite funny to be fair—like because I did do an overnighter and I just didn't realise what day of the week it was, and I actually went to turn up in work on a Saturday rather than not turning up to work, which is obviously the better fire. one and and, and, and and stuff like that. So that, that, that was kind of a, a funny instance. But I think a big learning curve for me from that perspective was the fact that I do need to kind of prep um, and actually managing my time. I don't know if you've heard of um, Colby and these kind of like um, seven habits for successful people. Yeah, Stephen Colby. Yeah, 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 Stephen, yeah. Stephen Colby. Um, and I actually went on a training course on that um, quite well. It was quite well when I was actually working at Talis, and that honestly was a big turning point in being able to actually manage my time a little bit better. Okay. Um. So that was that. That was kind of cool. Um. And I think maybe what one of the other things as well is around kind of the importance of um kind of collaboration within teams. Mm-hmm. I think that's 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 definitely a learning curve that I've had in the past. Where like I know that. There's, there's been instances where like engineering's been viewed as a black box, like right. kind of thing. And I think I definitely probably got a bit more on the defensive side, of saying like it's not a black box kind of thing. But it's actually understanding that in for, for the rest of the business, it is quite a hard thing to get your head around from that kind of concept. So being more open to actually understanding the reasons why the business is struggling, to understand why things are taking so long, and actually being able to like one of my <laughs> one of my um, role models, I guess you could call it, is Mitchell Kaku. Um, I don't know if he's a physicist anyway. Oh, right. He's very, very good at breaking down. um, Oh, sorry.
0: Yeah, yeah, I know him. I know him.
1: Yeah, yeah. So he's he's very, very good at breaking um, really, really complex problems down into kind of like simple analogies. Okay. So I think that was another thing that I kind of identified and that's what I need to be able to do. Um, And that's something that's definitely been like a, a learning curve for me going forward is taking some of the more complex technical problems, being able to kind of put it in into... Um, Terms which is more understandable for my audience, um, right. because you can you can kind of like flash people with with, with all the technical information. And you can kind of nod the heads, but did they actually understand it at the end of the day? So when you come to them, maybe two three months down the line, and you said, "Well, I raised raised all these risks," it's at the end of the day they didn't understand it. So checking that they actually understand it, I think it's been another learning curve for me. And I know it's not necessarily fluffing up as much, but. I think that's probably been the biggest takeaway for me, being able to actually break things down and actually ensuring that people understand the technical nuances, the, the complexities, before we then move on. Um, so the, there's no shock a month, two months down the line when something comes up that they, was raised but they didn't necessarily understand um, at the time.
0: Amazing. I love that. Okay. Well, look, I, I think we've got quite a few different subjects there. Um, definitely a lot of information to take in. I think um, anyone who's watching this will... And who is an aspiring manager or has taken a, a very unorthodox kind of route into into tech will learn a lot from this podcast, I think. So, thank you so much for coming on, and I'm very, I'm very excited and interested to see where Patchwork and you are in in kind of twelve to twenty four months' time. It's going to be pretty cool.
1: Yeah, cool. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Cheers.